1: to the Run to Daylight Football Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. Thank you for joining us. And we're doing the next in the line of uh, a couple really good pods in the offseason. Unlike a lot of people, the offseason tends to be my favorite time of the year. Uh, almost as much as during the season, I, I really enjoy this time of year, the free agency, the preparation for the draft and just kind of analyzing teams and things that are going on. But tonight we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is trading. If you think about it, there are really only four ways you can influence a fantasy football league. Who you draft, who you pick up and drop on waivers, who you start and sit each week, and trading in most leagues. And yet there's, Tons and tons of information and websites and everything that you might want when it comes to the first three. But when it comes to trading, you can search the Internet, and there really isn't much information out there. So I'm really happy to have Jean Paul Her- John Paul Hurley um, on. He has a website that he is going to talk about, and we're going to get into it a little bit uh, and he, it's basically a dynasty trading website. So we're going to talk about his website. We're going to talk a little bit about trading theory. And I think it's going to be a really good 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so, John, John Paul, are you there? I am here. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me here, man. Run the Daylight podcast. What an awesome, like, classic-sounding intro. I'm really excited. That kind of got me amped up for the show, so I appreciate that. Kind of like the, uh, uh, the old-school NFL for, music.
1: Oh, yeah. That was my favorite. And, uh, you know, I grew up in the 70s when you didn't have access to a ton of shows. And uh, as a kid, we really looked forward to the NFL highlights each week. And that was one of the songs that they would play during – the show each week it was either a half hour or an hour show and they would give you highlights with this really great music from nfl films so i'm glad you appreciate it um why don't you give everyone your twitter handle and then your website address because as i told you i was a little behind today and i think everyone should have that open while we're checking it out and uh you know you can listen live Right now on Blog Talk Radio, the links on Twitter. And if you're hearing this later, you probably are picking it up on iTunes or on Blog Talk. So go ahead, John Paul. Why don't you give us your information?
2: Sure, a couple of housekeeping things. So I've got a couple of Twitter handles. I run the main Dynasty Trade Calculator Twitter handle that can be found at FF Dynasty Trades. And my personal handle is at DTC underscore John H. So you can find me on those two handles. Uh, I'm on there pr- pretty much 24 seven. So pretty hard to miss me out there. You can find our website, dynastytradecalculator.com. We have uh, articles, podcasts, just like Todd here. Uh, we also have uh, a rankings, which is very popular right now because uh, a lot of things are moving and changing. And our, our biggest draw right now uh, that's had over 2 million visits in the past year is our actual trade calculating tool. You can plug in any dynasty trades that you have a, a feel for and you can get like an instant result to find out exactly how those are. So, You can find us on Twitter with those ones. You can find our website right there.
1: Oh, that that's awesome! And um, yeah, we're gonna get into that a little bit. Um, Definitely. Wow, two million. That's that's pretty impressive. Congratulations.
2: Yeah, thanks. Not a lot of people can say they've evaluated two million trades, so we're pretty proud of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, again, you know, I, I do that whole spiel about the four different things that you can do in fantasy to help yourself win. And it's it's not a joke. Trading is kind of the poor bastard child of, of, of those four when it comes to information out on the web.
2: Absolutely. In fact, uh, if you wouldn't mind, maybe you can start things off with a, like a quick, what I call a dynasty nugget on our podcast, uh, a little bit of a tip for all those out there. You're absolutely right. There's not a lot of information on trades, and that's kind of one of the reasons that we got started out on our website. On Twitter just to kind of assist that so there's a few really big tools that are my favorites when you're evaluating trades one is the website obviously the trade calculator another one is uh, if you're familiar with Dynasty League Football they just announced like a brand new Dynasty trade finder you can plug in a player's name or a a rookie pick and it'll search uh, MFL's database on all the trades that were executed involving those names so it's pretty wildly uh, influential right now also you can tweet out uh, a Dynasty trade poll on Twitter and we retweet those ones, and they get in front of you know five to ten thousand Dynasty Trade members. Uh, so those are pretty impactful as well. So there's just a couple of my favorite tools when you're evaluating Dynasty Trades, just to kind of help get some value. That's that's awesome, and thank you for that.
1: Uh, but first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from, and how long have you been playing fantasy football?
2: Yeah, so you said that you, were, you grew up in the 70s. Well, I was also born in the 70s, so I think a lot of people are going to be listening to two old guys ramble about Dynasty and fantasy football, so that's kind of cool, right? The other thing yeah. is uh, I started my fantasy football career in 1994. I'm sure you're probably back around that, in that range, too, so I've been doing it for about 23 years, 24 years now. I didn't start Dynasty until 2005 when I was brought into a, an, uh, an orphan, and we had like, a, this crazy draft where we all went to a bar, we sat down around a table, And me and me and another buddy actually took over orphan teams. We knew each other. We did not know what to expect. We didn't know how how to evaluate like first round picks, second round picks. All of these little pieces of paper are flying at us with trade offers on them. And we're, we're reading them. And like, right from that, I was just like, I was in my element. Like I was just like snapping and like throwing them back to them, making counter offers. It was the most fun I've ever had. And at that, at that moment in 2005, at the Buffalo Wild Wings bar, I was hooked on dynasty. I never looked back. I quit all my redraft stuff. I still have an appreciation for it, but I kind of stopped. Uh, And then, like I said, a couple years ago, buddies and I talked about trades, and we just figured out that there needed to be an extra element, an extra tool available for people to evaluate those trades because it's so difficult. And that's kind of what springboarded the website and the tool. So here we are today.
1: No, that's that's very interesting. And um, my, my history, it's funny, I'm older than you, but I resisted the urge... I had a buddy who I grew up with who we used to play. Back in my day, it was all about sports board gaming, things like Stratomatic and APBA (laughs) and uh, Sports Illustrated football. And he got the bug for uh, rotisserie baseball when I was going through my dark period and we kind of hooked back up in I, I late 90s and i get a call from him on a wednesday essentially begging me to come and take a spot in his fantasy football draft <laughs> on sunday because he had a guy who backed out at the last minute and they need he he said i i know you're not like into it like we are but i i know you know sports and you'll 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 get the hang of it and you'll be good pretty quick Uh, I think. And it was funny because I went there and same as you, I fell in love right away. Uh, It was a really weird system where it was 16 guys per team and you started everyone every week. And we did these weird pickups. Um, And I took over a team that wasn't very good and I made a bunch of trades. I ended up finishing in third place that year ahead of my buddy. And the next year I won the league. And that was it for me. I was... uh, 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 that that that's my little
2: story of how I got hooked. And, wow, isn't you know, that always the case too? That like somebody backs out and it's like the last minute and you got to fill in for him. There's always that guy inside a league that doesn't make it to the draft. It just it just puts everybody in the spot. And the guy's name is always like Steve. I feel like for some reason.
1: Well, I never heard the name of the guy who didn't show up because me and my friend had just gotten back together. Uh, other than him, I knew no one at that draft. He had moved to Philadelphia from Northern New Jersey, and um, and again, I, I, I'll never. It was it was a weird league because when you picked up someone for an injury, you could trade them, and then when they came back, you could you had to drop one of the two. And I remember I had an injury, and I had picked up Tyrone Wheatley, and I I I, I just remember trading him and. You know, uh, Derek Alexander
0: oh, for wow. Jimmy
1: Smith. It was <laughs> it was it was the year after Derek Alexander's one. You know, I guess I think it was '99. So I think Derek Alexander must have had a big year in '98. And so I traded uh, a, a guy. You know, I, he, Wheatley was uh, there for Ricky Williams, and Ricky was my first round. You know, I, he was the first player I ever took. And besides that, it was an auction league. So I walked into an auction. My first uh, draft. Jeez. It was it was it was wild, and everyone thought I was. You know, when you join a league, one of my favorite things is when you join a new league and everyone thinks you're a fish, and you get all these lousy <laughs> trade offers. And then I turn around, and what I always do is, uh, it's one of my secret little pleasures. Someone will say, "Well, give me this great guy for these two scrubs," and I'll say. Oh, well, you know, that seems reasonable, but just throw in your best player too. And I'll just throw out the name. Well, you know, if you th- I'll do it if you throw in Antonio Brown and they'll be like, "What?" <laughs> you know, and that's my that's my little way of letting them know I'm no idiot and, you know, the next offer is going to have to be a little bit better.
2: I can relate, man. I feel like uh, I I always tell people that I'm allergic to two-for-ones and three-for-ones. I cannot stand diluting my lineup. So I usually reject those ones instantly unless there's a a good enough player in there to balance things out. But, yeah, you're right. Well, and, again, this is where we're going to go
1: deep because I, you know, when it comes to trading, I have very few morals. And what I mean by (laughs) that is I don't have any I don't have any I don't do this, right? Like I'll do anything.
2: That's it's because long. you're in
1: sales, right? Well, no, it's I have a philosophy, and the, <laughs> philo- the I mean, being in sales certainly doesn't hurt me in trade talks. I, I I can't deny that, but it's funny. The first thing that I ever saw when I was studying on fantasy football, and well, you know what? I don't want to I, I I don't want to go too far ahead of myself because we've got <laughs> questions. Um, Let's do you're, it. You're mostly a dynasty league guy. Um, is that correct? How many leagues are you in and what percentage of them are dynasty leagues?
2: I'm in too many leagues. So like I said, I've kind of like given up and I'll put air quotes around that. I've given up on uh redraft fantasy football, but I still do. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but Scott fish from uh, Twitter does a SFB 480, where it's like a redraft league involving 480 teams. And everybody just says it's a big mishmash, first one to, uh, you know, person that scores the most points wins the regular season. There's a series of playoffs, but I'm in 10 dynasty leagues. That's probably about nine uh, more that I'm comfortable with. So I'm I'm a little bit stretched. It's over my head a little bit because there's constantly trades flying in. And just like you mentioned in the podcast uh, beginning your intro, uh, there's other elements of your team that are really important, like draft, you know, picking up free agents, drafting rookies, things like that. So I feel like once you get beyond like the four or five six mark, you start to stretch yourself too thin, and those other areas are kind of like put down a little bit, but ten leagues uh all dynasty with the exception of that one redraft monster steroid league
1: yeah i'm in s i was in, i was lucky enough to be invited to s f b four eighty last year. I made the playoffs and lost in the first round um I still do four or five redraft leagues. I joined my first dynasty league. Uh, Last year I got, you know, I got in with a bunch of experts and I came in third in the regular season, fourth in the playoffs. Everyone got hurt for me at the end of the year. Uh. Um, But what was interesting was I didn't build for right now. And I didn't build, you know, like typically that's one of my theories is I don't when I when I take a dynasty team, I don't want all young guys, and I don't want all old guys. I want those guys who are three, four years in the league because they don't – you know what you're getting – And you can still be competitive, and if you get lucky, you can actually win a league while not, quote, going for it and hurting your future. So that was, you know, considering I was in with guys, a lot of people from Pro Football Focus and stuff like that, uh, I was pretty happy with that. And then I made a couple trades, which are a little controversial, but it's a very deep (laughs) league, and I went for depth. And if we ever do those articles I was talking to you about, I'll, I'll get deeper into my whole my whole manifest destiny of trading. But uh, for now, this is about you, not about me. And so you mentioned about 10 leagues, and that is a lot. Uh, What's your favorite scoring system? Do you mix it up? I mean, it it makes it more difficult if there's a bunch of different scoring systems. Um, Give us your thoughts on scoring systems and um,
2: how they relate to you and the teams that you currently have. You gotta do Superflex, favorite scoring system by far. It's not very popular right now, but it's something that's catching on. It's catching fire. Uh, it's where I'm not sure if uh, most of the listeners are probably familiar with it by now. They've at least seen it. But uh, just to elaborate a little bit, just in case there's some out there that haven't heard of it, it's basically uh, you start the same standard players at each position, like one quarterback, two wide, re- two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end. Uh, whether or not you have kicker defense, I don't like to have those in my leagues. Uh, most of them don't have that, but Then there's a flex position. And the reason it's called super flex is because you can use one of any other position, uh, including quarterback. So you can have two quarterbacks. So those leagues, it's, it kind of brings the balance back to quarterback. Todd, you might remember this back in our glory days of fantasy football. It was all about the quarterbacks. Like it was about the, you know, the rock slingers. Then, then there was the advent of PPR, all these different, you know, fancy scoring systems. And it really kind of took away from the quarterback position, which, in my belief, is the most important position in real football, so why shouldn't it be the most important on a fantasy football league? Superflex kind of brings that balance back. It's it's, it's really fun, and it brings a different twist in a, into a scoring system, so definitely that by far. You know,
1: it's it's interesting. My next question was, do you do any f- Superflex leagues? Thoughts on those? <laughs> so we, we, can, we kind of answered two questions with one, but um, to, to answer your question, I have heard of them. I don't like them in theory, and I'll tell you why. Um, the theory being that I don't like artificial – okay, there's only 32 starting quarterbacks, right? You've got two starting quarterbacks. Pretty, if you're super flexing, you're pretty much starting two quarterbacks every week in a normal scoring system. And that's why the scoring system question led up to the superflex question. So, bye weeks with injuries—it's—it's it's easy for your season to ju- disintegrate over a quarterback injury, and I think it, it it tweaks quarterbacks a little too much. So, what I want to do next is I want to uh, create my own superflex league, but one where. It's six points for a touchdown and three points for an interception for quarterbacks. And maybe instead of .20 for point, it's either .25 or .30. I'm going to play around with that a little bit and, and kind of see how the scoring goes. But essentially, I want it to be where if you're a, a pretty good quarterback, yeah, you, you're, you're more valuable than most running backs. But if you're, you know, some lousy quarterback who's going to get 180-1 and one or 200-1, you're not going to outscore the average running back. Does that make sense?
2: It does. I guess it just – the reason I like Superflex is it, it, it kind of depresses me every single year, whether you're in a redraft league or a dynasty starting a new draft, to see, like, in a, in a one-quarterback league how far down and down and down the quarterback position falls just because people feel like they can get one later in the rounds. There's no real urgency around it. So I I guess I like the super flex because it kind of creates that urgency.
1: And I agree with that part a hundred percent and I'm a balance guy and I'm always looking for balance because what I don't, what I don't like is hoarding right to the point where if you need a quarterback, you basically have to give up like Antonio Brown for Josh McCown, you know, that's not realistic either. So, you know, I want to play around with a system where quarterbacks end up with the value that they should but not more. And I think it's a balancing act and I think that you need a super flex but you also need to tailor your uh, tailor your quarter The other thing that bothers me about quarterbacks is that the inter, you know interceptions and fumbles, you know minus 1 point but four for a touchdown. I if if I had my druthers it would be 6 points for a touchdown no matter what minus 2 for interceptions and if you throw and and I checked in pro football for uh my, my fantasy league doesn't have that ability but I think if you throw a pick six you should get minus 6 because it's it's the same so like in my ideal world I would love for the quarterback position to be exactly as valuable as it is in the NFL without making it so that you know, quarterbacks who are awful have value they don't deserve.
2: I could agree with that. It, gosh, you just hit a sore subject for me, too, like pick sixes. That's one of the reasons, uh, and this kind of goes back to your, like, league format scoring question, but I hate having defenses in fantasy football now. I, it, it's something that has just become a passion of mine in the last couple of years, but nothing irks me more than, like, Tom Brady um, drops back for a pass and throws a pick six. And if you have New England Patriots defense, you lose points because Tom Brady threw a pick six, even though it had nothing to do with uh, the Patriots defense. That stuff drives me crazy about defenses, and they really shouldn't be that big of a part of uh, fantasy football. I just, I don't like how they work, you know?
1: Well, and, 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 and I, again, that's, that, that's a, a, a fair point. And I think that the ultimate fantasy football league hasn't been created yet. And if you could get, myfantasyleague.com to be able to track pick sixes the right way, I think that there would be a way to balance it so that all these kind of little irksome things could be removed.
2: There you go. MFL, I hope you're listening. We can change that. <laughs>
1: well, I, I again, I did ask uh, last year, and, and they just, they don't get that. You know, they can only use what they get in a feed and they don't get that for some reason. So, um, let's move on to your website. How did it come about, and tell us a little bit about the basics of, you know, the people involved and 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 its genesis.
2: So I'll kind of segue into my my little spiel by saying something you just previously said in the podcast already. You said that you were in a couple leagues and you made some controversial trades. Well, Todd, I, I feel like every trade can and will be controversial. It's a wild thing. I, I don't understand how it works but whenever I make a trade in one of my home leagues or any of my dynasty leagues, there's going to be one person that's upset on one side or the other. It's absolutely hilarious. It blows my mind. So a buddy in mine, a, a buddy of mine and I were sitting around just kind of chatting on a Friday night a couple years ago. And we are you know, we made a trade. Uh, we typically go to the same place on Friday night. And we always seem like we make a trade in our dynasty league uh, on that same night. So it's like we're making constant trades and we always just kind of like play a little game and find out who's going to blow up about it. It's usually our buddy, uh, his name's Helmy. They're like, what do you think Helmy's going to say about this trade? And it, like, he blows up on one side. They're like, what the heck? What the heck are you thinking, man? I can't believe you would do that. Well, we needed to find a way to to create some level of regulation on these trades, uh, just to kind of have like a level set. We used to go to DLF and look to see what rankings were, but rankings don't necessarily mean value. We used to go to different sites to kind of look at ADP, but uh, average draft position doesn't necessarily equal value. So we tried to find a way to create like an algorithm that would calculate some level of value. So what we did was um, the first step that I took was I went to Walter football and there's an actual calculator for NFL owners uh, for real life NFL owners for them to evaluate like if a trade is worth it and it's specifically relegated to picks, So NFL draft picks and we kind of adopted that ratio uh, of of, uh, point totals and we found a way to create a couple. There's like three or four different algorithms we got in our calculator found a way to correlate that into player value uh, so that way people can plug in trades. And I just made this really raw version of it just for ourselves. So we could selfishly go in and find out, well, let's, let's see what the calculator says. Uh, And we really enjoyed it. And we refined it more and more. We spent a few months like testing it out and trying it and tweaking it. And we ended up liking it so much that we're like, I wonder what would happen if we created like a Twitter handle and maybe just threw the calculator up in its really most raw form on a website And we just kind of got lots of visits and a lot of people, a lot of people give gave us feedback. They love the tool. So it just grew and grew until we have a a staff of writers. We have a a website uh, with rankings and uh, our Twitter handles now growing to over 5,000 dynasty members. So like, it's just kind of become this big thing. So we're we're super happy to be part of that.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I love the ingenuity it took to put it together. Um, Quick question on the calculator, is there a way to plug in your league's scoring system? Because obviously, and, and, and again, uh, I'm not looking to pick at all, because what you've done is amazing. But one of my pet peeves is, like, someone asks you, you well, what, what do you think of this trade? Or they'll call into a radio show. What, what do you think of this trade? <laughs> well, without knowing this, you know, I, I, I sent you the list of the uh, things that I want to write about. And the first one is know your league. and it, Because slight changes to a scoring system can change the value of everything. Oh, yeah. So I was wondering if you do have uh, kind of that ability.
2: Early on, we had iterations of the calculator tool that included non-PPR, PPR, and then also different league sizes. And it just became too cumbersome to be able to import new data to update values and players, uh, and it became a really clunky experience for people for people to use on the website. It, like it would take a long time to load a player's value, and sometimes the site would crash because of it. So we had to make it more thin. But we're currently in development on trying to create more of an HTML experience. Uh, and for the non-web developers out there, non-nerds like myself, uh, that's just basically a way for us to put all of the values into like a, a database online. So that way it's not calculating in a, a document because currently we're using like Excel and it's an embedded document on our website. So yes, early on the answer was we had that uh, and we're currently working on development for that. And I completely agree that there's so many different league formats, uh, league sizes, different scoring systems, like who you start, who you roster, all those things are massive factors into evaluating a trade. And we just basically, ours is the most basic format. It it evaluates 12-team PPR in its most simple form. And I got to say a really quick disclaimer, if you don't mind, Todd, is while I like using the calculator selfishly myself, and I'm glad that a lot of people do, the caveat is that it's only a guide. It's one tool. It's not the be-all, end-all. Use as many resources as you possibly can. Don't do a trade because the calculator told you to. Use all your resources, including your gut. That's one of the most important factors in a trade, in my opinion.
1: Uh, and I couldn't agree more, and you literally took the words right out of my mouth. Um, this is a guide it's you know it, it'll give you a little bit of an idea of how good your trade is, but again, like I made a trade um I traded uh T. y. Hilton and I traded him for richard Matthews, Malcolm Mitchell, and uh Kyrell Williams. Matthews, Try Williams, and Malcolm Mitchell. All right? <laughs> so I, I was happy with that trade. and But the reason I was happy with it was we – it's a, a league where you start 11 people. And I can start seven wide receivers. So in a, in a league where you have a more traditional starting lineup, even though the value might have been close either way, I don't think I would have won the deal – In that three for one, I think having one really, really good guy like T. Y. Hilton is more valuable. But in a in a you know one guy said to me, and this will lead to another point if you and I get to talk a little more, maybe even after the show. He said to me, "Well, I I like the Hilton side, but it's weird because I think you got thirty cents for twenty five cents." but I still like the 25 cents side better. And I said, well, I'm not going to explain to you now why I did it because, but you, but you basically gave me why I did it. Um, so, but that's going to lead me to the next question, which is, um, do you have a golden rule for trading?
2: Oh, that's a great question. I'm kind of like you, Uh, And maybe it's because of our backgrounds. I'm not quite sure, but I spent 15 years in sales management, and I found that there's a certain finesse when it comes to trades. Uh, It it might be a more of a, a reverse topic. So here's here's kind of what my golden rule would be if I had to choose one. People don't like to be sold a trade, just like if you're selling anything, they don't like to be sold on something. Like there's the rare person that wants you to sell it to them, but there's it's a very rare breed. So. When you're trying to negotiate a trade, don't sit there and try to like pump your guy or discount their guy. That's the worst trick in the book. They want to be, be the one that comes up with the trade idea and the offer. So what you got to do is find strategic ways, whether they're human nature or other things, to try, try to get them to offer you what you wanted. Uh, you almost have to walk them into it. So that's my golden rule is don't sell a trade to somebody. Have them sell it to you. You got to turn the tables, use your experience to your advantage.
1: You know, that's a very interesting point. And I used to get accused of selling people on trades, but I had gotten such a reputation as the guy to be careful of that. <laughs> I'm like, boy, you have no idea. If I was selling you a trade, I'd be completely in a different mode. But I, I think you, again, hit the nail on the head, and that goes to the whole chapter on know your know your t- your, your league mates, know your league. Every guy in a league is different. Every person in sales, you know, I don't sell the same to every account. But my goal is to use that account, what works best for that person. Some people need to be taken through it. They need you to kind of lead them down the primrose path. Other people, it's the absolute worst thing you can do. And some people are kind of in between. So that's another, very, you know, we could probably do a half hour on almost each one of these subjects and really go deep, but we want to keep it a little more broad this time. So I'm going to share with you my golden rule. And I kind of started to allude to it a little bit last time. And my golden rule is, and it came from something I read literally like the first week I started um, in fantasy football. I saw this article and this guy said, The purpose of a trade is to win the trade. If you don't know why you're making a trade, then don't make it. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the fun of trading. And at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, the goal of a trade is to make your team better. And if a trade doesn't make your team better, then you don't make the trade. And that's my golden rule. And sometimes people would get mad at me and they'd say, this is an even deal. And I'd be thinking to myself, well, that's why I'm not accepting it. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you know, and I don't have to win by a lot, but the goal is to win a trade. Now, will, does that mean under no circumstances will I ever lose a trade? Of course, that, that would be, again, that would be limiting myself. You know, if I am going for it and I've got the chance to get David Johnson and I've got a lot of extra parts – I don't mind giving up a little extra value to get a David Johnson. But it was because I won so many trades that I had that value that I could cash it in for that chip I really wanted. And then the other reason you'll sometimes have an even trade is you know, one of those simple need trades like in my simulation needs. I've got a 5-rated guard, you've got a 5-rated tackle they're both about the same value but I need a garden you need a tackle okay here's the trade so those are the two times that I'll kind of put my golden rule on hiatus but in general the the my desire is to win the trade yep would you right. still, I'm, so I'm going to
2: test your boundaries I like really like firm rules like we call it a golden rule so it says like this is your uh, on a pedestal, like your rule that you live by for trades. So I'm going to try to challenge you a little bit and see what I can do here. So what about a situation where you have a team filled with like pretty old veterans? They're very good. They're in a good win now kind of thing. This can be uh, more of a dynasty question, I guess. Would sure. you ever consider breaking your golden rule by trading like an AJ Green for a DeAndre Hopkins or somebody that's younger just to balance out? I'll call it youth balancing on your team that
1: that 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 is not uh losing a trade because that value that Hopkins has by being younger is part of the is part of my evaluation see and that's the other part of this my evaluation and your evaluation of what winning a trade you know i don't have to crush people every trade a lot of you know I, and i've always taken a lot of pride in the fact that i can trade anyone can trade with the dumb guys in the league right <laughs> You know, we've all been in leagues with that guy who just likes to crush the weak, but he can't trade with anyone who is also pretty good. And it's the, and that's the guy who always will say to you, oh, come on, why don't you want to make that trade? You know, that's a sign of weakness. But to me, real value, final value incorporates all of the 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 value that a player has both now and in the future. So in your circumstance, I would would postulate that in certain circumstances, DeAndre Hopkins is worth as much as A.J. Green in a dynasty trade.
2: And that's what I was wondering. Like, if you think that those players are even in value, overall value, would you trade just to kind of balance the youth out in your team, even though the trade was dead even? Like, would you sacrifice your rule uh, to take that younger guy to balance out your team more? Yeah, but I wouldn't think I
1: lost the trade. There you go. I wouldn't think I lost the trade because, because, and and again, I, I, I traded A.J. Green this year, and, and I know I got a little less than I should have. I thought I had revoked the trade, and I didn't. I got Will Fuller a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a third-round pick for A.J. Green. Okay. And I, I, I probably should have gotten two first-round picks and a second-rounder. But to win the trade. But, again, it's a deep league. And, and you know, the truth is, A.J. Green worries me a little bit. First of all, fun fact, how many hundred catch seasons does A.J. Green have?
2: Not many. He's not a big uh, PPR guy, but he's yardage and touchdowns. Yeah, he,
1: he, he has none. And, and <clears throat> you know, he – and you're right. That doesn't make – but he's had two top ten finishes – and a couple seasons because of injury where he's been out of, you know, in the 30s, like last year. He's 29 years old, and he is um, a big guy who seems to be getting a lot of knocks on his body. So, to me, Will Fuller came out blazing. You couldn't have gotten Will Fuller after the first two weeks last year. And, you know, if Tony Romo ends up in Houston, Will Fuller could put up close to A.J. Green's numbers this year. Um, so that was my thought process behind doing it. And, again, it was because it's a deep league. But, I'm not, you know, I'm not as high on A.J. Green as some people at this point.
2: Yeah, you hit a soft spot for me. I, I'm, I'm not a big Will Fuller fan. I just see it, it's kind of more of the eye test. You're right, he had a blazing first uh, three or four weeks. And it was just like he was looking like he should have been the first overall rookie taken in Dynasty Leagues. But then he kind of like balanced out a little bit and kind of disappeared at some point. I think he was uh, dinged up. He kind of like the rookies always like the injuries catch up to him. The length of an NFL season catches up to him and they always kind of fizzle a little bit at the end. But Will Fuller watching his concentration issue and, issues and watching the games, he just doesn't quite pass the eye test for me. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Uh, but I don't feel like he's got the it factor and he can't get himself open as well. He drops, you know, big wide open balls. It, it, those things really concern me. And uh, just to kind of uh, put it back to AJ Green, he's only had one season where he was under a thousand yards and it was his, uh, this most recent season. Otherwise he's been over a thousand yards every season and three out of his seven, uh, three out of his six seasons, he's been double digit touchdowns or more. So that's uh I, I get the concerns oh, the, the, with the, the age getting up there, but a lot of wide receivers, especially the, the elite types, start getting in their prime when they're around 28, 29 years old here. So I'm more optimistic than you are, I guess.
1: Well, and, and again, but that's the beauty of the trades. But I, again, I think I should have gotten more in that deal. But if right. Wolf Fuller you know, turns out to get 65 catches with eight, nine touchdowns and 850 yards, and I got a first, a second, and a third. And, and the other thing is, It's not just what you get in a trade. It's what you can turn what you get into. got it. And so, you know, at this point for me, it's about getting a lot of assets and continuing to try and get 30 cents for 25 cents, 30 cents for 25 cents. Hey, if I can get 40 cents for 25 cents, great. Then one day I wake up and I'm sitting on a buck 50 and I could go buy two (laughs) A.J. Greens. (laughs) Right, or a, bagger, so, or a candy bar, or a candy bar, uh, but more, <laughs> but more likely I'll go buy an AJ Green or something. But, but that's my whole theory on trading. That's the, the big secret is, if you win one trade, yeah. If you win two trades, yeah. If you win twelve out of fourteen trades, now you're sitting on a nice pot of gold that you can turn around and use to pay even value on uh, on some stud. So, anyway, I digressed. I told you I was going to do that. The great <laughs> oh, Can thing we talk about, about that, some of
2: the really cool stuff in trades? Like, one of the things, so we, we got our golden rules out whatever of the way. You I love want. that. That's the price of admission. The cool stuff about trades that I like is, like, the psychological aspect of it. Um, I talked mm-hmm. about a little bit of my golden rule about how I, I like people to – I like to lead people into a trade and, and make them feel like they made me the offer that I wanted. Uh, that's kind of like a psychological piece of it, but there are a lot of mm-hmm. specific strategies that I love going through that are just all psychological. And I love those things.
1: Yeah. I like uh, one for me is uh, make a trade bigger because it's harder to, for, for the average guy to figure out the value when there's, you know, it's a five for five. Yep. Right. And, 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 and a lot of times people will go, uh, and they'll think about it and they'll go all right I'll do that and you're like yes and then and then and then the the smart people in the league will call you up and go oh you killed him and I'm like yeah <laughs> how do you do that oh, I'm not telling you but uh with this I, I you know I am telling but uh that like that's one of the 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 little sneaky tricks that you can use you know it'll start another sneaky psychological trick is and I learned this from Branch Rickey, believe it or not, uh, through a Leo Rocher book. One of Branch Rickey's tricks was if someone came for his second baseman that he really liked, and he'd say, "Oh, you want to buy so and so, $150,000," which you know was like a ridiculous amount of money back then. They go, "150,000 dollars," blah blah blah, and then he he'd say, "Well, if you don't want to pay that," I've got uh this second baseman for 80,000 and this shortstop for 70,000. Take your pick. And basically, you know, 80 and 70 was more than either of them was worth, but it didn't seem quite so high compared to 150,000. Yep. And so he would keep the guy he wanted to keep and he'd make a profit on a guy that, you know, he he was probably worth 50. So that that's another one there's a lot of them out there if if you're smart you and you and you put some time and thought into it uh, and again a lot of it has to do with knowing the people you're trading with um let's see the next question on my list is the great thing about dynasty leagues is that there is no off season and it's a great time to do trading what are your tips for this time of year this time of year uh, and where do you find the edges?
2: So I can sum that up by just talking about a tweet I just sent out last month. I specifically said, this is the time when football is over. A lot of people are depressed. Uh, Super Bowl is done. You can't watch real football on TV for like another eight months. So it's pretty sad. But this is the time when dynasty is most important. So the like, pe- people that are seeing this tweet are doing it right is what I wrote. I got a bunch of likes. I was pretty It was pretty promising to see that a lot of people were engaged still and they're actually checking things. And I can kind of get a pretty good idea of uh, flow and how many people are checked in during the off season by looking at, like, you know, traffic to our site, how many people are listening to the podcast, how many people are listening to us right now, you know, like how many people are checked in right now. A lot of people, Probably like the mainstreamers. Exactly, yeah. A lot of the mainstreamers aren't going to be checking in until, like, July, August when preseason's kicking under. And they're just getting their first taste of information all while th- this entire time you could be gathering all this information on the new rookie class, the free agent changes, all these things you're getting familiarized with them. And, and you're going to be just a mastermind by the time that the, the OTAs begin and preseason begins. So I, I think that's the, the biggest, biggest point to make. Did it again.
1: You kind of <laughs> talked about my next question, but I'm going <laughs> to throw it out there anyway. When do you typically draft rookies and how much studying do you do and how important is it to get a head start on the competition?
2: Todd so like if you're asking me specifically, I'll speak in to like the general public and I'll say like when I think everybody should be looking at things, but me specifically I am way overexposed to fantasy football, dynasty football, rookies I, I invest in like the uh, the DW Report. I'm not sure if you've heard of uh, Nick Whalen from DLF. He puts out a, a very comprehensive college player I report. I've heard of it. Oh my god, he charges like five or ten bucks for it, and it's a very comprehensive breakdown of uh, strengths and weaknesses and po- uh, very important points for every single relevant offensive college player uh, that you can find. It's usually like 150, 200 pages. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then the FF Ghost from uh, Twitter also puts out his own Orange Report. And it's his is a comprehensive breakdown of all the rookies that are coming into the NFL this year. Those two things together, just reading up on those, checking with all these analysts and just being in all the leagues that I'm in uh, having to do research. I'm sure you can relate to this uh, for podcasts, just forces you into the info. So for myself, I'm always exposed to it, but I would say for the the average uh, uh, Dynasty Joe or the average Fantasy Joe, really you got you probably got the the month of January to relax a little bit while you know real football is happening with playoffs and uh, the Super Bowl comes around in February those are the times you can take it easy because there's nothing happening right after the Super Bowl you gotta check back in and get on the the trade rumors the free agent rumors things that are coming down rookies you can probably wait a little bit until like uh, deeper into February because uh, if you do a lot of research on somebody and they choose not to declare you kind of like postpone your research and a lot of things can happen in their final years in college and things. So I would say, give yourself a nice month off. Uh, I'm not sure if you, you know, most people have a significant other. They'll probably like you for that one month, check back in, in February, start getting the new information. And then, you know, March it's go time. And to answer your second part of your question, uh, I usually draft rookies immediately after the, uh, the NFL draft. Most of my dynasty leagues will have hold their drafts in a slow draft form within a week of the end of the NFL draft.
1: All right, that, that's good. And uh, l- let's talk about draft picks. What are your thoughts on draft picks? What's the best way to handle them?
2: I can do you one better. I've actually got a golden rule when it comes to this. So, at oh, all on. expenses. I gotta get, oh, ho- hold on, I got to get my pen.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. I was joking. At
2: all expenses, hold on to your draft picks until after the NFL draft, unless there's a trade where you're absolutely getting a ridiculous amount of value in return for your draft pick. Do not trade your first until after the NFL draft. The reason is here's why your draft picks will increase in value exponentially after the draft happens, because there's so much hype that's involved with watching the NFL draft, seeing a player land on a new team. All of a sudden that 104, the 105 that you got is worth what the 102 was a month before, because there's that one extra guy. So like my best example is like this year, there seems to be like a clear cut top four guys, top five guys. After the NFL draft, there's always a fifth or sixth that emerges uh, that has exponentially more value than it would have had, you know, in previous months. So that's, that's the golden rule with draft picks.
1: All right. That's really good information. I will add my thoughts on the matter, which is the, the time when draft picks are most valuable is actually during your draft. And because So having a lot of draft picks going into the draft the day or two before when people really are locked in on the guys that they want. And then during the draft, trading during the draft and getting maximum value is when I most like to trade draft picks, Um, especially those trades where I've got three guys on the same level and I'm on the clock and someone wants one of those three guys gives me some nice extra value i move back to two slots still get a guy i like as much as the one that was taken and i've pocketed some extra value the the time that i like trading for draft picks the most is right after the draft that you had that you just had for that year so yep. to me draft picks are most valuable during your draft or the couple days before it and they're least valuable in people's mind. week or two after the draft because that 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 draft is so far in the future now who cares
2: oh my god todd i I got some i got some great examples for you for both of those things uh you hit the nail on the head with that so during the draft last year the 2016 rookie draft uh in my original dynasty league the one that's been that i've been in since 2005 i'm sitting uh, it's like it's probably at pick like 110 i'm sitting on the 202 203 and 204 i have all three of those second round picks very early and I tried to get, put my feelers out there. There wasn't a whole lot of guys that I was extremely interested in. There was just one, and I'll, I'll reveal his name in a moment. Uh, but what I did was I for the, for the next, like, two or three guys, um, I offered my 202 and 203 for their future 2017 pick because, like I, like I said, I didn't like what was remaining in the 2016 uh, draft. So I wanted to trade back a year, see what I could get. So I moved my 202 and 203 to get a 2017 pick. It came to me in my two oh four, the one that I had left, and I took Jordan Howard, that was my only pick of the first oh, and wow. second rounds. And that seventeen awesome. draft pick turned into the one oh two.
1: Oh, I love that.
2: So I got I, once one,
1: again I got it's simulation football. Yep. But I, I did I did a deal once where um I had the one oh six and I didn't like anybody on the board. And, and again, you got to remember, this is offensive linemen, defensive linemen, everything. So I, there was a guy who was at, like, 114 who desperately needed a quarterback, and I was on the board, and I traded him the 111 for the five, and I got his first-round pick the next year. And his – so I, I went back. I forget who I got at 111. I used to have this memorized. <laughs> and I, I think I even got like a fourth rounder in the deal. He moved up to one Oh five and took Mark Sanchez wow. and the guy, <laughs> and he, he, he finished Oh, and 16. And I, oh. and then and we had a lottery in the league I commissioned and I ended up with like the second or third pick, uh, second or third, uh, uh you know, in the pick in the draft the next year, I traded down once to one Oh seven, got something else and i got calvin johnson with the one seven you know if you remember because we you know we drafted guys the year after the rookie year so calvin johnson didn't have a great rookie year but i still was really high on him so i I ended up getting like calvin johnson and two other really really good parts for mark sanchez
2: oh my god for mark sanchez that pains me physically to hear that oh my goodness (laughs) <laughs> and I got to Sanchez had a this.
1: pretty good rookie year. He led the Jets to the NFC Championship game.
2: Yeah, but we know what happened after that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he be, he became Dirty Sanchez. And my um, other example
2: to solidify your second point ahead, about uh, trading for future draft picks right after the your rookie draft. So I have a strategy. This this one's worthy of a pen too. You should write this one down, to all the listeners out there. This one's called the preseason flip strategy. So right after at any point after your rookie draft. Just like Todd's saying, start targeting those future uh, year draft picks. So right after our NFL draft, we were kind of sitting around the OTA times. I'm looking at my roster, and I realize that I'm probably going to have to make some cuts. This is a really shallow league that I've got. So, like, we have, you know, regulations at each position. Uh, so I can either make cuts of guys that I really want to roster, or I can start looking at trades for the next couple months before I have to make my roster cutdowns. So what I like to do is for some reason, and this is a psychological thing, one of the things I really enjoy about trades, Everybody in the preseason in your league loves their own team so much. They think that they're going to be competing for a championship this year. They're so hyped up about their players they just drafted. They got all these free agent guys. Uh, you know, their their injuries are no longer there. So they're really excited about their chances to win this following year. So they're, they're undervaluing their first round draft pick in the following year because they think that they're going to win. Everybody thinks they're going to win. It's just wild. So what you should do, especially if you know that you're a contending team uh, in this league, I had won two previous Super Bowls consecutively. So it's pretty simple to see. I flipped a player that I, I would have had to drop in my first round draft pick for a team that I targeted that I thought would have a poor season for their first round draft pick. So I pulled that trade off last year and, and the player that I ended up stacking on in my first round pick was Tyrod Taylor. Not a, not mm-hmm. a terrible asset, but you know, mm-hmm. definitely not a, not a great asset. So my first-round pick and Tyrod Taylor and I got this other team that I targeted first-round pick, they ended up finishing last. I have the 101 and 102 because of those two strategies in this year's draft.
1: It's That's great. And I do stuff – you know, I, I don't have a nice name for it, but that's, <laughs> that, that's, that, that's, a, that's a great one. Um, I wanted to try and keep this around an hour, and we're getting close to that. So I wanted to talk about one of my least favorite parts of trading – Um, which is the trade committee. Um, Uh, What are your thoughts on trade committees? How do you kind of legislate trades? And then I'll be happy to share with you, when I was a commissioner of 28 people, 27 other people, what my golden rule
2: was when it comes to trade committees. My answer is short, sweet, and simple. Green light on all trades unless you can prove there's collusion happening. Like every trade, even though it's a bad trade, the team getting a player that was on the bad side may not think it's bad. That's just part of the learning process. Uh, and maybe you should, you know, evaluate whether or not that's a strong enough owner to have in your league, but it's, it's a green light in all trades unless you can prove collusion.
1: And you just, boy, we are simpatico, my friend. <laughs>
2: um,
1: my, my, my rule is that trade committees are the devil. And typically <laughs> trade committees are put in place to stop good owners from doing what they do and taking advantage of weak owners. And the other part of it is is the guys who are really, really good at trading are normally the guys they're wanting to stop, so they don't put good traders on trade committee. Yep. And I can tell you that one time, in, again, in a simulation league, I made a trade my rookie year, and I got crucified for it. I traded Clinton Portis, who was coming off his big Denver year, to the guy who had the most stacked team in the league, and I got three players: uh, I got Dan Morgan, Lido Shepard, and uh, Brian Westbrook. All at the time, other than Dan Morgan, uh, Lido and, and Westbrook had just finished their rookie years. And because I made so many trades, I, I, I flushed a lot of the guys out, built up enough value that I went back and beat that guy. Uh, and and ruined his undefeated season and won the championship (laughs) in my rookie year. But everyone hated that trade. If there was a trade committee, it would have been killed. But I won that trade because a year later, Brian Westbrook was better than Clinton Portis. And I had the two other parts. So, you know, a lot of times people on trade committees don't know what the hell they're talking about. And even smart people sometimes make bad trades. Trade committees all they do is lead to a ton of arguing, a ton of problems. I will never be in a league with the trade committee.
0: No and
1: and and, and my and my and, and what I would do when I was a commissioner, and again you alluded to it, I would go in I would do heavy interview not heavy interviews, but I would I would get on instant message and ask prospective owners a bunch of questions and I would gauge how they like to build a team and their thoughts on a couple values. And you can get a pretty good sense if someone's going to be a good owner or not. You know, good owners who make good trades are not the problem in leagues. It's guys who don't know what the hell they're doing that are problems. So that's my thought on trade committees. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next. Often... There is a very weak owner in the league. What are the morals you have about dealing with weak owners?
2: Ah, uh, That's a really tough question for me, and, and I, I wish I could have more compassion around it, but I really love challenging leagues. And one of the things that pains me the most is when I am on Twitter retweeting all these trades, like hundreds per day. Uh, I think I, I retweeted 25,000 trades last year. I just realized that. I'm looking at my tweets. One of the things that pains me the most is when Wait, there's a, like I gotta, a trade.
1: Hold on, I got to unfollow you.
2: <laughs> when there's a tra- exactly, there's going to be a lot of stuff in your feed. But when there's a trade that <laughs> happens that's completely uh, like unbalanced, that's like, hey, tell me what you think about this trade. And it's a poll, and he's asking about Julio Jones for like the 110 rookie pick or something, and it's completely lopsided. It's you know, Julio Jones wins 98 percent to 2. percent The only person that voted for the other side was like Julio Jones is, uh, or actually the whatever rookie pick was at 110s mother or something like that. And, and like, oftentimes what I see, and this is what irks me is people comment saying, gosh, I really wish I was in your league because uh, you know, maybe I could rip off that person, but is that really what you want to be in a league with such a poor owner where they'd be willing to pull off a trade like that? No, like that's not fun to me. So how I would treat poor owners is not very good. Uh, and maybe even almost try to like get to the point where we're pushing them out and kind of like maybe evaluating them, maybe bring it to like a league vote. Uh, for them to leave and move on just because it isn't working out. They're not dedicating the time in order to be a strong owner. So I don't like it, uh, and I don't like to be in leagues with weak owners.
1: Yeah, I I don't either. Um, But my feeling is if there is a weak owner in the league, if you don't take his value, someone else will. And, you know, unfortunately, eventually they're going to leave because their team is awful. Um, But, you know, my morals are, you know, it's not my job to manage your team. If you've paid, <laughs> if you've paid your money, and you're in the league, as long as you're in the league, I, I don't have a problem. You know, d- do I? Do I try and make it a complete, you know, disgusting trade? Uh, uh, maybe one step above that, but um, especially if you're in the league with a bunch of other really, really sharky good owners, um, uh, unfortunately, you're put in a position where you need to. Uh, you 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 know, you need to take advantage of of the week, and and that's a good um, point.
2: And may, maybe Todd for your for the year, listeners out there that are commissioning leagues too, that's something really really good to pay attention to. So like if you have that weak owner, make sure that you do like your payment cycle early in the season before you turn on trades because that's really something that you could get in a sticky situation with. Like your weak owners can trade away their picks and ruin their team, and then they don't end up paying because they realize how sucky they are. And then it's really difficult to find an orphan, somebody to take over the team because it's such a poor team. So, like, maybe, you know, if you if you have some leagues with uh, weak owners in it, that can always happen. People are still learning, I understand. Maybe push up the, the payment cycle so that way you get payments before trades start coming down. I had a different rule, um, and that's a good
1: one. But my rule, and, again, simulation football was a little different. You know, we had um, a 10-round draft because we were drafting – You know, every position, but what my rule was in my leagues were your first year in the league, you couldn't trade your future first, second or third round pick, you know, you were under kind of, uh, you know, in other words, I wasn't hand, you know, handcuffing you too hard. You could trade your picks in the year that you, you know, you were there. But I, I felt like the, your future first-round picks, you, you know, because you can tell when an owner's really bad normally within the first, you know, couple weeks. Never mind the whole year. So by you know, I would tell them, look, you know, if you took if you bought the, the Cincinnati Bengals, you could do whatever you wanted to the players, but you couldn't trade the stadium, right? You couldn't trade the team name. You know those first round picks your first year, consider them like your stadium you know you you just can't trade them and you know if you if you, you know I said and then I would say, look, everyone goes by the same rule, and you know but that that was what I would do and 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 that way because typically if you've if a team's under you know doesn't have a lot of talent but has all their picks, you can find someone. Yeah. If a team doesn't have a lot of talent and has no picks, good luck. True. All right. Well, I, 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 I will. I had one or two more questions, but we're kind of right at the hour mark, so we'll cut it short. I, I get the feeling you and I could do a six-hour show on trading, but oh, yeah. I, 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 I really appreciated you coming on. Uh, would love to have you back on another time to kind of go through some of the other key points. Um, any last words? And why don't you give the information where people can find you again?
2: Last words. This is my last trade nugget for you guys. This is called the carpet bomb method. Anytime you're trading in a, a very high-end valuable asset, like if you're moving Julio Jones off your team, you ever get that time where like after you trade like a high-valued guy, you get like 100 messages saying, oh, man, I would I would have gave you more for him. I didn't know you were trading him. Don't trade that guy until you've sent an email out to the entire league saying this guy's on the block. This is my best offer. If you can beat it, he's yours. Do the carpet bomb method. Don't trade a big asset until you've done that. So that's my that's my closing remark, my final uh, little dynasty nugget or trade nugget for your listeners out there. Uh, you can find me once again on Twitter. The main handle is at ff trades for Dynasty Trade Calculator. My personal handle is at DTC underscore John H. And you can check out our website, www.DynastyTradeCalculator.com.
1: Awesome, awesome stuff. One of, my, one of my favorite pods so far. Um, I, I, I think that if people are smart, they will follow you on Twitter. Check out your website and make a little donation. I noticed that there was a little donation um, tab there. Uh, he's doing good work. John Paul, I thank you very much for coming on the show. A new part of the show is that I'm letting the, the guest pick the song that we're going to lead out with, and John Paul picked a Johnny Cash song. It's called Ain't No No Grave, and if you you don't trade with either John Paul or I, it might even be true. John Paul, thanks so (laughs) much for coming on the show and for sharing some of your wisdom. It's greatly appreciated.
2: Thanks, Todd. Bye, everyone.
0: what do you think I see? I see a band of angels And they're coming after me Ain't no grave can hold my body down There Ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, look down yonder, Gabriel Put your feet on the land and see But Gabriel, don't you blow your trumpet till you hear from me. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. If these wings don't fail me I will meet you anywhere Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Well meet me mother and father Meet me down the river road And mama you know that I'll be there When I check in my load Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down.